This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, uh, please donate at patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Uh, this is Friday, July 7th. So it's so early. It is very early when <laughs> it's we're recording 10:30 this. 30 in the morning. I know. We normally record at nine at night. This is out of my comfort zone. Yeah. It's also the one year anniversary as we make this of Ark Encounter, which <gasps> oh, means happy I think it's guys. 14 seconds in creationist time. <laughs> So happy 14 seconds. <laughs> dead joke. You're welcome. That was a dumb joke. You're I welcome. Um, <laughs> let's start with this one because this is just a, such a weird story about Hobby Lobby okay, and whatever I they did. So I, so I did do research for today's <laughs> thing. You would think that since I'm super unemployed, I would do a lot more research. <laughs> I didn't. I started doing it a half hour ago and I came across like... And I have done a great job of burying myself from the news. I just don't have the emotional bandwidth for it at this point in my life. Um, And I saw that headline when I was doing research and didn't bring me a coffee. That's fine. It's like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. I bring you wine all the time. Um, It's too early for pop even. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) And so, and I saw something was going on with Hobby Lobby and I'm really getting to the point where I don't know if headlines are satire anymore. (laughs) Like there's been three headlines that I assumed were satire and I was like, oh no, Democrats, what are you doing with your new logo? (laughs) Not logo, uh, slogan. Slogan, yeah. Yay, yay, yay. So I saw whatever the headline was and just text him like, are you going to do something on the Hobby Lobby thing? Because I don't have time <laughs> for this right now. So I'm oh. super stoked to hear what's going on okay. with Hobby Lobby. Hobby, okay, for those who don't know, Hobby Lobby is run by an evangelical Christian family. Mm-hmm. Like, they're famously evangelical, and they have shitloads of money because they do. Um, they have this family, the Green family that owns Hobby Lobby. Mm-hmm. They have tried to uh, institute, like, a uh, Bible as history course in i think the state of oklahoma where they're from Mm -hmm. um and it only stopped because they clearly crossed the line into proselytizing in the curriculum that was released right so they couldn't go forward with it but they they tried to do that Mm -hmm. um they also famously went to the supreme court to stop women from employees from offering birth control to those employees and the supreme court said yes you can do that i've spent the last 30 seconds trying to think of a better name than hobby lobby because their last name is green i feel like there's a much better (laughs) name in there than Hobby Lobby. like green. Yeah, it's so folksy and Ugh. I don't know. But, okay, so now they're building a Bible museum in Washington, D.C. This a has Bible been going museum, on. A say. Bible museum to show you all how Isn't the that... Bible has influenced the world. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah. that's kind of it's an interesting... It's supposed to be kind of historical in nature. Okay. And there is a way to do that that doesn't necessarily mean... Um, you can say the Bible has an impact on history mm-hmm. without saying, oh, look, the miracles of Jesus are yeah. totally true and you should all believe the Bible. But clearly they're not worried right. about that. They don't care if they're mixing the two worlds. Right. I would say Richard Dawkins did a really good, a good job at that in The God Delusion. He has a whole section of like, hey, here are common phrases and things that we use that sure. are directly... Bible is literature. Bible. is right. huge. And I think that's always a topic worth discussing. Yes, and you can totally understand why the Bible plays a role in history because it influenced so many people right. and it caused so many big changes in civilizations. And murders. Okay. And murders. Um, so they're building this museum. They want artifacts for the museum. And so I oh. guess they have gotten, over the course of the past several oh. years, thousands and thousands of artifacts from Iraq. But the way they got these artifacts 
was by paying, uh, I think if the number is right, they purchased over 5,500 artifacts. I'm reading from the press release here, a press release, comprised of cuneiform tablets and bricks uh, for $1.6 million. So they bought this stuff for a lot of money. Yeah. And I, I would assume the purpose of this was to be able to show, look, right. this is how the Bible impacted the world and look at Christianity's impact on civilization. The thing is, the way they acquired these goods, it's not like they went through a museum uh-huh. over there. Uh-huh. It's not like they went through a professional dealer. Iraq, you said? I believe Iraq, okay. yeah. Um, they basically went through all these shady ways to get the goods. So I'm going to read again a little bit from here. It's like black market they weren't, stuff? Yeah, black market really? stuff. That's not a joke. That's what happened. I mean, they were not even displayed in a nice professional way. They were like, it's... I'm making this up, but it's like they went to a dungeon and just saw the goods there. I'm imagining the end of Ark, <laughs> Ark of the Covenant. Or something. Nope. Raiders, <laughs> is Raiders of the Lost. Indiana Jones stuff. Yeah. Fuck. Which one is uh, it? It's a Raiders movie. of the Lost Ark. They put it in the thing at the end. You've seen that movie, right? Sure, I'm sure. No, you haven't. Somewhere it's like, I have. There's a thing, and it's like this dangerous. Oh, I'm nailing this. And there's a huge warehouse with like a zillion boxes. It's more or less. And they just like put it in one and one. That's how I'm picturing thing. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And Hobby Lobby images. did not even communicate with My the actual is dealer. Gonna kill me if he listens to this. <laughs> the Hobby Lobby people yeah. didn't even meet with the dealer really? who supposedly owned the artifacts. They did not pay that guy for the artifacts. Instead, and I quote, Hobby Lobby wired payment for the artifacts oh, no. to seven personal bank accounts oh, no. held in the names of other individuals. Oh, no. So, I mean, <laughs> there are like oh, my God, so this many... Is a movie plot. Yeah, there's so many red flags that had they cared... You like Hobby Lobby should have said like this seems shady. Yeah. So do we think the artifacts were forged or just black marketed? I think they're black marketed and legit. Ooh, but, that's worse. But they wanted them, so they didn't care how they got them. And oh, Hobby Lobby, the, what are you doing? The U.S. Department of Justice was on this Good. from for years now. Like they've been following this. And the way they, like, got the goods later on involved, like, tracking the boxes that were coming in. They said they were, what did they say? Like, they were from Turkey, but they're not from Turkey. Oh, my God. This is a movie. I would watch this movie. The boxes were labeled ceramic tiles or clay tiles, but that's not what they were. This is like a children's movie. Oh, my God. This is even like a a highbrow thriller. And clearly Hobby Lobby people are not even trying to, like, (laughs) seriously cover this Do you think they didn't know what they were doing? Is wrong or they didn't care. I think it's more they, they didn't like, care, but they had to like, know this was wrong because you have you have to go through all these shady methods to acquire this oh stuff. Oh my god. Um and here's the worst part of everything. Tell me. The black market, how would anyone acquire these goods on the black market? Who's running this black market? Terrorists, yeah. arguably. So when Hobby Lobby pays 1.6 million dollars. Is there a strong connection to to the terror, like I obviously like arms deals or uh, you know weapons and things like that. Uh-huh. But artifacts is that a thing that sort of? Well, they smuggle this stuff and they hope to sell it for money, okay. and the money goes to fund their activities. Got it. Okay. So in a sense, Hobby Lobby, the super evangelical <laughs> conservative Christian group, cool, 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 was cool, paying cool. money that would Thanks, eventually guys. go to support groups like ISIS. Nice. No. Yeah. No. That all sounds great. I don't see the problem with this. Do you? Is there? How come we're talking about this? Uh, I know Christian hypocrisy has never been heard before so on this podcast. So, what but. are the consequences, or what might well, be the consequences? The consequences, because the U.S. Department of Justice is totally in on this, and they found this and they stopped it. Uh, Hobby Lobby is giving up all the artifacts. 
Um, they're also paying an additional $3 million to the government, which, let's be honest, it's a drop in the bucket sure. compared to what they have. Well, and they only, not only, but they spent, what, you said $1.7 million? Uh, $1.6 million, yeah, 1. to acquire the goods. So, so they have to give that up. doesn't seem very substantial, right? Yeah, like, it oh, doesn't just pay seem... double of what you were yeah. more than... And they, again, this is pocket change for them. And that's it. Like, no one's going to jail over this, which, whatever, I don't care if that's not an option or an option. But it's like, okay, they got their slap on the wrist. They give back the goods. But, oh, my God, what the hell are they doing? And where is, I mean, again, I haven't been following this, but is there a good deal of good Christian people who are outraged? Because they always seem to be really I, mad about terrorists. I'll be honest. I have, I looked specifically brown from, terrorists. They don't from like some of guys. the people who normally lash out against liberals. Uh-huh. I looked on those conservative Christian pages. I have not seen them comment. Okay. Not one way or the other. Sure. Um, and I can't imagine anyone saying this is okay, but I don't see anyone condemning Hobby Lobby for this. What I have seen are so many great responses yeah. from so many. By the way, I should say all of this took place, like the, the Department of Justice announcement. Uh-huh. All of this came a day after July 4th, which is Some when Hobby Lobby, <laughs> Hobby Lobby on July <laughs> 4th puts out an advertisement. <laughs> uh, they do it every holiday uh-huh. that talks about how much they love Jesus. <gasps> So their one on July 4th was all about, they posted on Facebook too, uh, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, Psalm 3312. So they're posting all this, but like what happened to thou shalt not steal? They don't care about that one anymore. Well, it's because we took the Ten Commandments off of all the Capitol buildings, (laughs) so so they they forgot. (laughs) That's our bad. Uh, Hobby Lobby president, Steve Green said, quote, we should have exercised more oversight and uh-huh. carefully questioned how the acquisitions were handled. Oh, you don't fucking say. Yeah, right. Um, our passion for the Bible continues. He oh, said. Good. You That's know, great. I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask you about their passion vis-a-vis the Bible. So I'm glad that was addressed <laughs> immediately. So let me read you some of the responses I've seen online because okay. these are just great. I mean, they're Hobby Lobby, too moral to provide contraception coverage to employees, not moral enough to refrain from illegally looting war-torn country. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Um, Okay, so when Hobby Lobby smuggles artifacts, they just get a fine. But when I do it, I get cursed to serve Mesopotamian gods for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> Says at History Inflicts. Oh, that's um, good. <laughs> at Golden Gate Blonde, Hobby Lobby's strong Christian values can't pay for workers' contraception, but they could totally loot Iraq and fund ISIS. Sure. <laughs> my, my personal favorite, uh, Hobby Lobby being an alleged front for smuggling black market antiquities out of ISIS territory is only like the fifth weirdest story of 2017. <laughs> <laughs> what a year it's been. And uh, at Julie Carey W, isn't the whole point of Hobby Lobby that you can make your own cuneiform tablets? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty excellent. Yeah. So, oh, man. Um, what are you doing, Hobby Lobby? Interesting. And, again, and this goes back to the thing I harp on week after week of like, there's no fucking consequences anymore. No. You know what I mean? Like, there's no consequences to things that actually actively harm people. Right. But, In like, a couple days, this will not be a story uh, anymore. Yeah, but, like, a black guy in Chicago has an ounce of weed, ounce, a, ton, sure. a, di- a dime bag of weed in his pocket and <laughs> goes to jail for five years. Like, right. it's That gets so, a consequence. This, right. Mm. It's so fucking laughable. If you have, yeah. uh, God uh, damn it. And I guess it all makes sense since Christianity really is just stolen bits of other ancient religions from the Middle East. Yeah. So oh, which just reminds falls me, in line. really quick aside, guys, stop fucking sending me emails about my swearing. If I don't, <laughs> if I'm not going to stop for my mom, I'm not going to stop for you. Like, cut it out, guys. <laughs> I don't care. 
Anyway, go ahead. Yes. Thank you for your feedback, by the way. We appreciate it. No, 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 sir. I don't <laughs> appreciate it. Also, also, every time I mention this, I get like five tweets about how much people like my swearing, which is fun. It's very kind. <laughs> I appreciate you guys reaching out. But like, Christ, stop it. Go ahead. This is the funniest story I've seen in a while. Um, there's a pizza shop in Pakistan. Uh, the owner is now using a robot waitress. I don't know if it's just <laughs> one or multiple ones, but it's kind of... <laughs> It's kind of cool that, like, oh, you could just sit down and a robot takes I your order. I just imagine Rosie from the Jetsons for some yeah. reason, like, zipping around. <laughs> By the way, they're all women robots. They're designed to be women robots, I should say. I don't feel great about that. Oh. Why do we have to give robots genders? I'm not done yet. Oh, no. Uh, but they first of all, racks. it's kind of... No. Okay. It is kind of cool that they use robots, period. Yeah. Like, cool, yeah, if that neat. works. That's neat. So that's why his sales have doubled since February when he introduced these robots. But here's the kicker. So the Washington Post did an article about this, and they kind of buried what I thought was the most interesting sentence. Okay. Um, when he's dressing up these women robots, I these female robots. I don't like the gesture ro- you just did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to read from the Washington Post. The robot resembles a short, slender woman wearing a long dress and apron, the owner says. He wrapped a scarf around the robot's neck so as not to offend conservative patrons. (laughs) He put a scarf around the robot's neck because in Muslim-majority Pakistan, the bare neck of a robot might be scandalous for some people. Can't have that, that happening. Took me on a journey. <laughs> <laughs> what is going who, on? Who would complain about the bare-necked robot Can, serving them pizza? Do you have a picture pizza? of the robots? I just, I can't. A picture stop. of the robots for you, Jess. Oh my god, I'm fucking dead. Yeah. I guess we should be glad they didn't like make the robots wear a hijab or something. Yeah, but I was like, gonna say, why really, you gotta cover up the neck because you know sex. <laughs> so wait, hold on. I, that's the most. <laughs> I do, I can't even begin to parse <clears throat> what, what happened. You broke me. I'm broken. You're I'm welcome. A broken human. Can I do one that's please on that same level? Yeah. Um, so this, and I don't have the, the woman's name, uh, who's the story is about, um, it might be out there. Okay. So, um, there is a place in the Capitol building called the speaker's lobby. Um, and it's a place generally, have you heard of the story, uh, about Pell Ryan? Okay. I'll just keep, keep going, going and see where we go. Yeah. Um, it's a place traditionally reporters can like grab a quick interview with, with the speaker or various people of that ilk. Um, now, I will say that m- there apparently is some kind of dress code, but it's never been in print. It's never been made clear. It's just sort of Informal a... Informal dress code to look nice. Right. Um, and so generally men are expected to wear suits, okay. I guess. Um, a woman went in to try to... Uh, from what I understand, she tried to speak to Paul Ryan and was turned away because she was wearing a sleeveless top or dress or something like that. That hussy. Uh-huh. Um... And she did maybe my favorite thing that a human has ever done. And it made me laugh so hard when I heard it. Because it was about like, oh, her shoulders are exposed. So she grabbed, she ripped notebook paper out and stuffed it up her sleeves to cover her shoulders, (laughs) which is such an excellent Did she get the interview then? No. Of course. (laughs) <laughs> but like, because they don't actually care like about the that. element 
Bev's thinking on her feet and fuck <laughs> youedness of that move was just insane. I wonder just, what would have happened if she excellent. stole one of her like male colleagues' blazers yeah. or some sports coats, put it over her, <laughs> put it on like a cape, and though. said, "All right, give me this interview now." I don't know. <laughs> that's kind of that's you joke about that. But it happens in other countries, oh, and yeah. we say that's absurd. Oh, yeah. But it's I happening I mean, still, there. in Catholic churches, like, a lot of Catholic churches can't get married unless your uh, shoulders are covered. Oh, yeah. Like, my cousin got married in one in Texas. She had to wear a veil, like, over her shoulders. Because her wedding dress had, like, shoulder her, straps or something? Her, her wedding dress was strapless. Oh, And yeah. so she had... And I think about that all the time. It really, like, irks <laughs> me. Because all her bridesmaid dresses had to wear little, like, shrug things. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just a thing that, like... I don't know why the shoulder thing is a thing that I'm like, really, really my fucking shoulders. This is, this is what's happening. Um, so, so you know how there's not a lot going on in the country. So we should definitely Nothing. be focusing on dress codes. Yes. Okay. I'm just glad we're, we're on, on the same, same level. There. Uh, so Paul Ryan said members should periodically rededicate themselves to the core principles of proper parliamentary practice that are so essential to maintaining order and, and deliberacy here in the house. He also said members should wear appropriate business attire during all sittings of the house. Uh, of the house, however brief their appearance on the floor may be. Do you note at nowhere at no point did he say, "Here are the dress codes you need to follow." Oh yeah, he didn't say, "Here are the rules." Which like, there's a part <laughs> of me that's like, okay, yeah, like if she was violating a dress code, fine. But you can't just say, "Look professional" and not define what that is. Like to me, and and let's also look around the rest of the White House because a that code is enforced nowhere else. <laughs> not the rest of the White House, the rest of Washington. Ivanka Trump wears sleeveless dresses on the regs. And that is not <laughs> no a dig cares. on her. It's just, guess what? It's 2017 and women right. have arms and we're going to show them to you. <laughs> Look at these shoulders, haven't? I'm I'm clearly Are scandalized. Offended? Yes. I, so Paul Ryan basically said, follow the informal rules. This comes from the leader of the party that uh-huh. uh, stole the Supreme Court seat, basically. Okay, so... Yeah, so right. that like that really ticks on my boxes of like m- like misogyny plus like obfuscating from real issues. That's true. I wonder hypocrisy. What, I wonder what a guy would have to do to break the code in the same way to the point where Paul Ryan would care about it. Well, there's definitely a conversation worth having about like the criticism that was levied against Obama if he would ever not wear a tie or the one time he <laughs> wore a tan suit and people oh, lost yeah. their Goddamn minds over it. Or put his feet up on a desk or something and they flipped out. Right. And, like, I don't know. I think we should be more mad that Donald Trump tapes his ties to his shirt. I think (laughs) that's a thing we need to talk about. No, he's following the dress code. It's okay. Um, Fucking prick. We, I think we've talked on this show about blue laws. Yeah. So you can't get in alcohol Ireland on... specifically. Yeah, I think so. And you can, in certain states, you can't get alcohol on a Sunday or you can't buy it um, unless oh. it's a, like 11 o'clock yeah. a.m. beyond that or something. But like there are times when you can't buy alcohol in right. certain states. Well, in Utah, they have something similar to that. It's called... I had never heard of this before I heard that it was taken away. Like they repealed oh. this rule. But they used to have a rule called the Zion Curtains Law. That's the unofficial name for it. And basically, the rule here is if you're at a bar or you're at a restaurant that has a bar, uh-huh. it would be impure if you were to watch the bartender make your drink. So they basically put up a barricade on the bar. What do you call it, the ledge? What the yeah, wait, wait, wait. fuck are you talking yeah, about? They right put now? up like a, a little wall. So you can't watch the bartender make your drink. Now, it's okay for the bartender to hand you the drink afterwards, and anyone in the restaurant can watch you drink it, 
But watching the bartender make the sausage, more or less, uh-huh. you can't do that. Wait. So they had a law. I'm showing you a picture right now. They had these barricades that would prevent what? you from watching. So it kind the of bartender. looks like um, if you're like eating at a sushi restaurant at the bars there, it's like that. That it's a little bit of higher ledge. Yeah, like a sneeze shield. Yes, but like it's but it's just to prevent cloudy? you from watching. Yeah, uh, opaque. I don't know. You can't watch Translucent? it really. Translucent. Yeah, something. Um, but that's the thing. Like new, re- and here's the thing. Uh, for years now, the newer restaurants in the state had to put up these glass barricades to prevent customers from, you know, the blasphemy of watching. What's the word? I don't know. Um, And it was referred to as the Zion Curtain's Law, which is a reference to, like, Mormon purity. Yeah, where does that... Um, Do you have a... There's no real... Is there at least, like, a general internal logic of that? um, Mormons aren't supposed to drink alcohol, I guess, and so that this is to prevent them from watching alcohol get made because you can't stop them at you know, a state facility or whatever, a, a, a restaurant. So it's like a temptation thing? Oh, my God. I, maybe. Oh, my God. Making drinks is like the shoulders of Mormons <laughs> or something. Oh, I'm going to work on that metaphor. Um, and the weird thing is it restaurant, Because uh, it's like a temptation thing, right? Of like, if I you don't so. see it, you if won't you be tempted by it? Maybe. And I think a lot of restaurant owners, uh, if they had older places, okay. they didn't have to abide by the law. So like grandfathered in? Yeah, grandfathered in. But the newer ones did. And one guy, one restaurant owner said... Over, quote over the last two years, it's probably cost us three hundred fifty grand in sales because customers refused to sit at a bar where they would be facing a glass wall. Yeah, which makes sense. Anyway, this was there for a while. Um, they finally repealed this law. So this past that week is bug wild. This past weekend, How have you never uh, heard of that? a lot of these restaurants celebrated, quote unquote, uh-huh. by basically taking those glass walls and like slamming them on the ground. Oh, that's excellent. Um, and they're gone now. Uh, which again, frosted. so many frosted. That's the name of frosted. when you frost That's the it. glass. Oh, uh, so many questions that I had. Like, okay, why are they up in the first place? You brought some of these up. Who goes to the bar who and doesn't understand how bartending works? Has anyone not seen a mixed drink before? Like, who thinks it's okay to visit a bar but draws the line at watching a drink get made? Can you watch? So you can't watch any drinks get made. So it's not like I can't watch my own drink get made. And right. Actually. Make an argument, and that's kind of fucking dangerous because if there's a shady ass bartender <laughs> and he's trying to like do some shady ass business, nobody can watch no him. No one can watch. Um, to quote one commenter, I think I saw online. Yeah, let's protect the children from seeing booze as they wait for their 1,200 calorie chili cheese fries to be delivered to the table. Ooh. Like, and it's not. I mean, Mormons aren't supposed to drink coffee either, but right. they didn't make these frosted glasses go up at Starbucks. Well, and also they're not supposed to swear, probably, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Not supposed to swear, but they don't, like, censor all TV. Like, that, the slippery slope sort of aspect (laughs) of that really gets out of control pretty quick. And I think that's why, even in Utah, this didn't last because <laughs> even they realized implemented that that is it's a good question I would, love to, I would love to know but it's gone now so it's just that was and weird. god and we talk about like oh regulations because liberals and like what the fuck are you guys talking about you're like it's the yep, conservative religious state. people who don't want us to sell booze on sunday everybody wants to drink on sunday it's the best day to drink sunday fun day like <laughs> and if you're coming out of church you're gonna need one yeah yeah, you super do. Mm-hmm. And then you're not going to tip because people who go to church don't tip. Why? <laughs> what? Guys, guys, hey, tip your waiter. Tip your waiter. Especially 100%. if you're going in on a Sunday. Yeah. Uh, totally different story. 
this one bothered me because I, oh, I was tipped off to this thing that was making the rounds, and it's by a well-intentioned Muslim comedian from Chicago. She makes videos that are quote unquote funny. I, I wasn't really <laughs> laughing at oh, any the of shade. them. The shade. Oh, the shade. I wasn't it. laughing. But here was the point of a recent video she Wait, made. What's her name? Uh, Miriam Sob. Okay, because I know a Muslim <laughs> comic, female female comic in Chicago. Is she actually funny? No, she is. She's very oh, funny. This one Samina is not. Mustafa. This one made a video recently that was basically, here's what she wanted to do. And I'll say this in the best possible light. She wanted to make a parody of people who trash Islam, okay. which is fine. That's ripe for humor, especially if you're a Muslim woman and you want to mock people mocking your faith. Mm-hmm. Like make a parody of what they're they're doing. I get that. Yeah. What she said is the people who trash Islam, especially, specifically here, ex-Muslims who talk about why Islam is bad, specifically. Oh, you're getting into murky territory there. Uh She said the reason they trash it, it's not because they don't believe in God. It's not because they think Islam has the potential for harm or uniquely has the potential for harm. It's not because they want to help other doubting Muslims. No, it's only because they want money. That's why ex-Muslims are now speaking out about being an ex-Muslim and encouraging others to leave Islam. It's because they want money, which is uh, weird for a lot of reasons. Let me read you some of what she says in the piece. And she's kind of, she's passing this off as if she's uh, an infomercial host. Oh, uh-huh. And so she's like, people who've had inside access to this faith are in high demand. You will be the go-to expert before you can say creeping Sharia. All you have to do is join the I'm not a Muslim anymore tell-all society. Um, Here are the perks. Instant book deals, six-figure speaking gigs, VIP world travel, and coveted political positions. Blah, blah, blah. All you have to do is denounce your faith in a series of social media rants and wait for the trolls to bite. Once your story goes viral and you receive at least one death threat, you're a candidate. Okay, that's the gist of her little infomercial parody. That's pretty dumb. Okay. So it's not funny, but more, <laughs> but more to the point, oh my God, this, the reason I was even tipped off to this is because being an atheist, I know a lot of ex-Muslims yeah. and some of the ones I know who are more public figures, mm-hmm. uh, one, they, they are not like laden with cash. Two, Unlike us with those podcasting You know books. it. And they get actual death threats yeah like they're actually fighting to stay alive and to to make light of that in that way is extremely disrespectful. and and the whole thing is to suggest that they don't genuinely believe the things they say because they want to make money Mm -hmm. no they do genuinely believe the things they say and they're not making money and to pretend that muslims are the only people who speak speak out against a faith their former faith or something is is i don't know that she was saying they're the only ones but Obviously, she is a Muslim, on. so she's focusing on that. But like, what I don't get is like, how much money does she think would be would make it worthwhile to be a target of radical extremists who want to kill you for being an apostate? Like, what amount of money would do that? I can't think of a dollar amount that would say, right. "All right, if they want to kill me, they can." Um, and while we're saying this, like, there are thirteen countries as of twenty thirteen where being an atheist openly mm-hmm. is punishable by death. All 13 have Muslim majorities in them. Mm-hmm. So this is not a small thing for people who leave Islam. Right. Even in countries that we think of as secular, mm-hmm. if you leave Islam, there is a very real fear of they what your family your and relatives included may do to you. Um, 
And just to go through her list of what happens to you, oh, uh, they don't get six-figure speaking gigs or five-figure or four-figure for the most part, yeah. maybe three if they can get like a college to uh, let them speak there right. or something. Um, it just doesn't happen. Uh, Ayan Hersi Ali has to travel with bodyguards. She's not doing that for shits and giggles. Yeah. Um, Majid Nawaz is suing the Southern Poverty Law Center uh, in part because they put him on a list of anti-Muslim extremists and oh, that paints right. another target on his back. Like right. he doesn't find that entertaining or just a difference of opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what bothered me about this video. That's clearly what bothered a lot of those ex-Muslims. Um, and it's just disturbing to see how... What I was trying to figure out is... Why would you make a video like that? How ignorant do you have to be of right. what ex-Muslims have to deal with? Right. Or what other Muslims are doing in the name of your faith, even if you think they're not representative of it? Mm-hmm. It's a very real fear. How do you not know about that? Or how little do you have to care about yeah. that to make a video like that this? That whole thing sucks. Yeah. Um, so just disturbing all around. Um, she seems to have gotten a lot of criticism for it online, which Has is she good. Responded? Not that I've seen. So anyway. Uh, mm, that was disturbing. Yeah. Uh, do you want a happier story or a uh, weird story? Or, Tell uh, me. Let's do... Uh, this isn't a happier story, but it's God not as damn different. it, Hammond. Uh, okay, there's the Ganges River in India. Uh-huh. Holy River, right? Yes. That's the one everyone... Uh, you're, it's said that if you bathe in it, your sins will be cleansed, more mm-hmm. or less. Cool. Um, I've been to India. I'm going to tell you my little Ganges story. We're not Hindu. I didn't grow up in a Hindu family. Mm-hmm. Uh, But when my grandmother passed away, she was cremated and we had an urn with her ashes in it. Mm -hmm. And my family, out of our relatives, we were the next ones to visit India. Mm -hmm. Um, So we were given that urn. And the idea was we would go to the Ganges River and and spread spread our ashes ashes in the river. Um, So, yeah. Um, Just really quick. Are Jane's a segment of, of, Hinduism? of Hinduism? No. Okay. Which is why this was weird, because it's like, it's not even feel, our religion. I feel like <laughs> your family does that sometimes when they want you to put the with the thing on your wedding invitation. <laughs> yeah, put the symbol, a religious symbol, which isn't our religion. <laughs> it on your make wedding sense. invitation? It doesn't make sense. I just think they're, embr- like, they're embracing, like, we're Indian. We're just going to lean into yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. So we, Jane's don't have a big footprint. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll go with the bigger one. Um, and this happened. I think wagon. this is when I was seventeen uh, ish, but this was a trip. Like I was finally old enough to know what's going on. So uh-huh. we were going to visit a lot of the big sites, including the Taj Mahal and cool. the uh, Ganges River and stuff like that. So I remember we went to the Ganges River, and we found like you can imagine there are a lot of people. They're like street preachers, basically, who know exactly why people visit the Ganges when uh-huh. they're holding a bottle. <laughs> You know, and, and is this a like, commonplace thing to yes. spread your ashes? Okay. Yes, commonplace to spread your ashes. And it's common to see people saying, Oh, I see you have a bottle there. Let me help you do the ceremony. Pay me to do uh-huh. the ceremony. So my parents took this guy up on that offer. We walked over to the river. He said whatever he said. I don't know what he said. I didn't speak that language. Um, and we spread what the ashes. Um, I don't know if it was Hindi or if it was a different local do, yeah. language. Oh. Uh, either way, it's not one that I speak. So I, I assume my parents knew what he was saying, and I'm sure it was fine. What if they didn't? What if they didn't? They very well couldn't. They thought they were doing the right thing. Bless but he did hearts. the ceremony. He spread so the ashes, sweet. and they gave him money, and that was the end of it. But here's the other part of that. Um, <laughs> Just imagine. While this is 
bye bye grandma. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird and disturbing. Oh, I'm not making fun of your parents. I just oh, think I know. it's a really sweet image of like very <laughs> earnest yes. trying to like do the right thing. Yes. <laughs> um, and while this is going on, you see other people taking off their clothes, jumping into the river, bathing uh-huh. in the river. But here's the other thing. It also is when so, yeah, but I think people are used to like, all right, people are going to bathe. We're still going to put the ashes here. Mm-hmm. Um, you can imagine this is not a clean river. I won't even go in like Michigan, dude. Like- yeah. <laughs> this one is literally brown. Oh. Um, it's nasty. It's not. And I'm not saying that out of disrespect. It literally is a nasty, nasty yeah. river. There's a lot of pollution. Yeah. Um, there's a reason you shouldn't bathe in it, not just because it ain't going to do shit for your karma, <laughs> but like it's going to maybe damage your body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you don't mm-hmm. you don't go swimming in that. Especially not with like an open sore. Yeah. Um, <sighs> but people do. And they're like old ladies too. And it's like, oh my God, you are probably more not susceptible to whatever this river can do to you. So I'm worried for you. But people are swimming in it. People are throwing ashes in it. Uh People are throwing garbage in it. It's so disgusting, which is weird because that never crossed my mind when I learned about the Ganges and I heard about how it was supposedly holy. You would think it would be pristine and it totally wasn't. Oh God. Um, there is an uh, one of the things the Prime Minister of India, Modi, has tried to do unsccessfully is to say, we're going to clean up the river, uh-huh. um, but they haven't done a good job of that. Is it he's getting pushback from it or it's just hard to do? I or think whatever. it's more that it's just hard to do, mm-hmm. but they haven't been able to do it. But one thing I heard fr- uh, from some, uh, one thing I read in some news reports uh-huh. is that some Indian people were basically saying, uh, they don't they're not bothered by the fact that it can't get clean uh-huh. because quote many believe the ganges is indestructible because they oh, believe it's a holy no. river because it's you know a gift of the divine gods yeah. hey you can't even hurt it the gods are protecting it they're watching over it so hey, your Hammond. garbage won't have any impact on hey, the Hammond, river that sounds kind of familiar to me does it? It sounds like people who talk about how Earth is a gift from God and their stewards <sighs> and thereby global warming. No. Yeah. Global warming can't do anything because God's watching over us. Don't worry about it. Yeah. No, it's the same argument. Um, I, there was a lawsuit. But they're I, not offended by attempts to clean it. I don't think so. And it's Which not, I think is kind of an interesting. What I haven't read is that there are like they're trying to get in the way of people trying to clean it. Okay. No, it's more of a logistical nightmare because it's such a long place Mm -hmm. and you got to go through different state governments to try to get things done so it's hard to do um but one person quoted saying pollution in the river has no impact on the divinity of her mother goddess like oh my god no it's a disgusting disgusting place you gotta fix this for your own forget the holy aspect of it is different from what you're saying like he's Uh, saying like it's not gonna hurt the earth or like it's not going to hurt the earth to have this. Let me read or the It's full not going to hurt the divinity of it to have it gross, dirty. Right. Let me gross, read. Gross, let gross. me read the full quote. When you say to people things like "Don't put that plastic bag in the river," "Don't pollute the river," they actually turn around and say to you, eh, "That has no connection to our power. Pollution in the river has no impact on the divinity." Oh no! Like they're basically dismissing any argument that yeah, you shouldn't pollute it. Because you can't pollute it. Okay, I would think the opposite would be like, hey, this is holy. Maybe like, so stop polluting take it. Take your yeah. bag home with you. Yeah. Um, Raise your bag, folks. You heard it here first. Really disturbing and still really disgusting. That's really so, gross. Yeah, it is. Ew, it really did you get is. In? Uh, no. But I will tell you, did before it smell? we. Uh, 
It smelled like the rest of the area, which, again, it sounds like I'm trashing the place. Eh, That's not it. The whole place smelled weird Uh because, again, polluted river next to a place where eh, they don't really take care of the environment. Yeah. It all didn't smell great. But here's the thing. As we were leaving that area, my mom had an empty container. And she takes some of the water? You take some of the water because Do it's holy water. It? No, thankfully not anymore. But I remember she brought some of that like with her. I don't remember if she brought it home. She might have brought it home. Is that legal? I don't know if I should be saying this. But I've seen it. <laughs> but for a while, she had this. No. And from the get-go, you could look at this water and be like, that's contaminated Ew, stuff. Is it like murky? Like she didn't like use it for anything. Of, no, but you just have it. But we had it. I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and I'm picturing it like... A Tupperware container that she just has sitting on her kitchen <laughs> counter. It more that's my holy that. water. Yep. Like not even a nice no, that's, vase. That's just e- <laughs> no, that's essentially what it was. Um, so yeah. That's excellent. That reminds <clears throat> me of like huge sidebar. There's a, a picture online of like a really pretty vase. Yeah. And somebody's like boyfriend went to the beach and brought her home a bunch of seashells. And she goes, I don't know how to tell him that this is mostly pistachio shells. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what it makes me think of like, oh, like the thought is nice, but like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Almost. <sighs> All right. Let's talk about something more disturbing. Uh, England, the National Health Service, released some data uh, this past week. They released a report. There is a rule in England where all doctors have to, by law, report any cases of female genital mutilation. So even if you're uh, pregnant and you're giving a baby and the doctor's working on the pregnancy, Uh but they notice, oh, there's something going on there, they have to report it, even though that's not what they're dealing with. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Sure, sure, sure. So they. So released, we're not talking about like <clears throat> little children coming right. in. It's this like, is everybody. I'm a full grown adult yes. and yeah. Um, but so they have to report it. And England just released a report from the National Health Service, the NHS, uh-huh. which said last year, I think from like April of 2016 to April of 2017 or whatever a year is, 5,391 attendances, uh, that many reports uh-huh. were made in the system for the first time, and 114 of those were girls under the age of 16. So a couple things about this. One is, that means more than 100 girls in Britain, in England, whatever, more than 100 girls were (laughs) found to have FGM. Uh -uh. They were mutilated. And for the first time, doctors noticed this last year. Like, they hadn't gone to the doctor beforehand, and this was just a subsequent visit. That's those are first-time reports, which some of that is probably a lot of Somali immigrants who have come to, the, to, mm-hmm. have come to England, um, and this happens a lot there. Mm-hmm. And so these are people who are now in England. I have to wonder, and we don't know the answer to this, maybe they happened in England, and they're, like, now going to the doctor or something. I mean... I will say, and I think we discussed this in our great last episode, that like a, a gal I went to high school with had female genital mutilation. She said she, this. She she told us, yeah. and like it was the first time I'd ever heard of anything like that, and I was suitably appalled. But like, so this isn't a thing that happens in you know like the Middle Eastern certain countries. It's not just. It's not just there. there. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago. Like it was happening and and Mm -hmm. i don't know any more about it and i don't want to speak i think last month there was a case of i think a doctor in michigan who was basically under the radar somalis in the area knew that this doctor would perform the procedure Uh so they came to her to get the consultation and then have it done to their kids and she did it 
Uh, but authorities figured it out. They were onto her. So they have all the evidence they need to basically prosecute her because it is illegal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I mean, this happens. It, it's rare in like westernized countries, but it happens. So d- th- what's disturbing about this report in England is just that uh, there were in total more than 9,000 reports where doctors said FGM occurred. Uh-huh. And more than 5,000 of them for the first time were seen last year. Uh-huh. And more than 100 of them involved little girls. God totally, totally disturbing. They And again, we don't know who did it, when it all happened, because they're not always going to say it. And they're not always going to be honest about it. And we don't know if it's happening in England. For what it's worth, if a doctor in England is caught doing it, they can go to jail for up to 14 years. That's in the UK. Um, but if the doctors aren't doing it, what happened? Because... If it happened in England, that means it was oh, what, no. behind closed doors or something. It's like, like a, a back alley. Yeah. It's Oof. just nothing safe about it. Even I mean, there's nothing safe about it, even in good ways, like in a doctor's office. That's not OK. But like if a doctor didn't do it, someone else did it. And that's even more disturbing. Yeah. I you know what? I waffle back and forth about religion from like live and let live, let people do whatever they want. And then I hear shit like I'm reminded of shit like this, and it's like God, burn it to the ground. Yeah, like it. You want to know what harm religion does? This is what. Harm yeah, religion this is does. what it is. So, God, yep, totally. Dis- okay, we're gonna end because I only. No, have, I have two more. Do you have things. two more? Yeah, uh, I, I do. got one Research. more. Too. Give me one. Okay, wait. I have to find my notes. Nice. <laughs> my printer isn't working. Okay, so oh, this isn't necessarily religion, but it's kind of in my yes. campaign to call out all Republicans for being dickbags. <laughs> um, an Oklahoma state senator, uh, his name is Bryce Marlatt, M-A-R-L-A-T-T, Marlatt, okay. um, he's named as a suspect in, lewd ac- in a lewd acts case involving an Uber driver. Um, a, a young woman, a, young, a woman drives for Uber. Yeah. She went into a police station and said that she was unsure what she needed to do, but she had been assaulted. So this happened on Monday, June 26th, allegedly. She said that she drives her Uber, was transporting a customer when he made advances of on, on her. her during transit. And police report states that the suspect was grabbing her forcefully and kissing the victim on on the neck while she was driving. <laughs> and so uh, Senator Marlett, or whatever his name is, has, he's not officially under arrest, uh-huh. um, but... He is being uh, named as a suspect, and his attorney tells this news outlet that he's shocked and surprised by the allegations. So that's disturbing. So yeah, um, that is this week's white Republicans going to white Republican (laughs) and grow up all over women. Yes, tell me again how trans people shouldn't be able to go in the right bathroom. Oh my god. Oh, why did you bring that up? No, I'm mad again. It's too early to be this mad. I know. That's why you need coffee. Uh, Yeah. Uh, One last thing, the on my end. So Ark Encounter has its one year anniversary this weekend. Technically today, Friday the seventh, because seven seven of last year. Um, They could have waited seven seven seventeen. They could have. They really jumped. Would you say they jumped the ship on that? I'm not giving that one to you. I don't think I even used that right. (laughs) Jump the ship. No, totally wrong. (laughs) But (laughs) I wanted it to work so bad. Jump the sh- jump the shark. Jump the gun. No, jump the shark. Jump the gun is what I Whatever. mean. Whatever. Um, this podcast is dumb. I hate it. <laughs> uh, 
one of the things that's been really interesting to watch over the past couple of weeks yes. is, okay, it's been a year. We are going to figure out very soon what the attendance numbers are like at oh, our yeah. encounter because uh, the state's going to report it. We're going to uh, we'll get some actual numbers in terms of how much money they're making, how they're helping or mm-hmm. not helping the surrounding community <laughs> and all that. And what's been interesting to watch over the past couple of weeks is every time Ken Ham does an interview about Ark Encounter, he seems to blame other people, kind of downplaying how much he's helped oh, the yeah. community. Passing the buck so, all over the place. Yeah. So how much business has it done for the city of Williamstown, right around Ark Encounter, where mm-hmm. they got a sweetheart deal in so many ways? Mm-hmm. It really hasn't helped Williamstown. And city officials in Williamstown have said as much, but Ken Ham says things like, well, they atheists haven't... are trashing <laughs> the Ark, and that Sorry, doesn't Ken. help. Yeah, whatever. But didn't he also say, like, oh, they haven't built fancy restaurants? Like, yes. And that's, dude, that's not how economy works. He's, he wrote an op-ed. Uh, I don't know if it's an op-ed. He wrote an essay that was published online for like a Cincinnati newspaper where he basically said, I'm going to quote here, answers in Genesis confidently predicts that the Ark will have even greater attendance than our excellent first year. Provided that is we see more entrepreneurs building additional hotels to accommodate our visitors as if that's the reason they are, are not successful. Um, you know, he was blaming atheists for economic failures. Now he's blaming hotel builders for not doing enough. Because Williamstown has two small hotels. If you drive a little way further out, there's uh-huh. a city called, I think, Dry Ridge. They have a few more hotels. And the question is, how much of those rooms are being filled by people visiting Ark Encounter? Mm-hmm. What I don't get is, he seems to be saying that the only people visiting Ark Encounter are people from out of state who need a hotel and they're like unwilling to stay at Dry Ridge, I guess, or somewhere else, as if the hotel is the biggest problem for them not to come and that would create a huge difference in the attendance. But like... That's all garbage. It's all garbage and it's garbage on its face. Most of the people you would think visiting the Ark are not making a weekend trip out of it. They're maybe driving... Like an hour or two from surrounding areas yeah, to visit the ark, and you don't need nowhere, a right? you don't need a hotel. It is kind of in the middle of nowhere, but like you don't need a hotel to visit Ark Encounter. It's like going to Six Flags where we are. Yes. It's like you don't need to make a weekend trip out of it. You can go in the morning and come back at night. Yeah, and when that's t- a good point. When tickets are expensive as they are at Ark Encounter, it's forty dollars per adult plus tax. Um, and I think it was like 130, 140 to bring your family of four or something. Like okay. it's already a lot of money. And then to say, oh, by the way, you also need a hotel room on top mm-hmm. of that. And go out to a fancy dinner. And go out to dinner in the town to support those businesses. Not everyone's doing that. No, I'm sure I, some I, are, I and think maybe you, they can't come. But but I think you hit it right in the head that like it's not like you go to Disney World or Disneyland and it's a weekend or a week or whatever, and you right. hit the different thing. It's our encounter is a day long trip. Yeah. You go, you see it, and you leave. And maybe you go to a restaurant, but like you don't need a hotel. And I can't imagine that's what's stopping everyone from visiting. Right, like if we go to Six Flags Great America, kind of near us, like you don't see a bunch of like a spate of hotels springing up around it yeah. because people come from far and wide to like make a weekend out of Great America. Like, it's, and I guess the right, real question thing. is, let's say they built three new hotels right across the street from Ark Encounter. Mm-hmm. What would their attendance change be? I can't imagine it's going to dramatically grow, uh, go up right. if they just had those hotels available. Because well, I think you're going to see roughly the same amount of people, more well, or less. And this is what we kind of discussed last time we talked about this, of like, that's not, like, the problem isn't that 
there aren't enough room. Like the only way that argument would work is if there, like all of these rooms are, or all these hotels are overbooked and you can't get a room and that's why people can't come in. We're limited to the number of people who can stay in this hotel. That's not the case at all. The, I, from what I can tell, these hotels are far from selling out. So like, what is he that imagining is going to happen? Some of them are packed almost to capacity, uh-huh. said news reports, but not to capacity. And that's a distinct, that's an important <laughs> distinction to make because like, as soon as you hit even capacity... Even if you're 90% full, like, what about those other rooms? No one's yeah, using them? Yeah, like, as soon as you hit capacity, then you can start inventing numbers. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, right. all of these people would have come, right. but they couldn't. Like, until you tell me you're at 100% capacity, then, like, fuck off with your garbage <laughs> numbers. Something I should point out, uh, and also, this is for anyone listening who may see news reports this weekend, especially about... Uh, the success or not success of Noah's oh, yeah. art of the Ark Encounter. In 2014, when bigger news stations were writing about this Ark that was going to be built, Ken Ham said, "We hope uh, we it's estimated to attract up to 2 million visitors a year. Uh, NBC News did a report on it in 2014. Ham hopes to attract close to 2 million guests in the place's first year. In 2015, they put an FAQ on Ark Encounter's website, mm-hmm. Ken Ham did. And they, one of the questions on the FAQ, how many visitors do you expect? He said, we expect over 1.6 million guests our first year. All right, um, hedging his bets a little bit. Hedging his bets a little bit. Well, if you look at what he's saying now, um, he basically uh, is saying, we're going to get, I'm trying to look for the exact number here. He's basically lowering it down to uh, 1.1 million mm. and probably lower than that. Like, we're about to hit a million visitors. Yeah. It's like, okay, fine. I, that's not bad. But let's not forget how much you oversold it at the right. beginning. Um, and that makes a difference, too. And he refuses to say that, by the way. He's like, no, we have this record number of visitors. You we wouldn't have so believe many visitors. how many visitors we yes. have. But compared to what he was saying a couple of years ago, which he wants everyone to forget, mm, not so much. We got the receipts. Yeah. Isn't going to have kind of on a uh, blocking people on Twitter tirade right now? Uh, he's been doing that for a while. Bless his heart. Yeah. Uh, there are ways around Twitter blocks, though. Like, if I want to read his tweets, which I do. <laughs> so Wait, I are read... you blocked? Oh, yeah. But oh, I, I read goodness. all of his tweets. There are ways around it. Um, so one other thing to keep in mind, if you're watching news reports, one of the other things I've seen all the answers in Genesis people do uh-huh. is say, look, it was 4th of July, the holiday weekend. We had uh, seven to 8,000 guests in one day, which is way above what the average should be for right. like even a million people or something. Uh, seven, like we had so many people this weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a holiday weekend right. and it's a weekend yeah. and it's the summer. Yes, you're going to get more visitors. The bigger, <laughs> excuse me, the bigger question yeah, that so I think excited. people would know, I did the bigger question people should be wondering is what happens uh, during the school year on a weekday? Yeah. Or what happens in the winter on a school? On a, and like you know? having one great weekend does not a successful year make. Yes, exactly. And so they seem to be acting like, look, we had a great weekend. Therefore, everything is great and our attendance is so high. Right. But it's not like you take this 8,000 guests in a day uh-huh. number and then multiply by 365. Just extrapolate from there. Like, yeah. this, is, this is our sample data. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a data point of one yeah. and they want it to represent everything. That's not how it works. I know they don't know how to do math or count, <laughs> but that's what they want you to think. And just be aware of that if you see news reports on this thing. And it, and like, and I feel like it, it, it could sound like we're just dogging on Ken Ham, and God knows I will do that all day <laughs> and all night. He wears suits that are too big. That I said it. Um, but like, it's important to realize, like, the reason these numbers matter is because, again, can, can Tennessee? Tennessee? Kentucky. 
Kentucky. Yeah. Kentucky gave him a fucking sweetheart deal. Yeah. Because they had a 30-year rate for property taxes that is really low. That's money that's not going back into the community. So this is this is our business, or it's Kentucky's business. This is a matter... Like, and that's how Answers in Genesis sold it to Williamstown. Right. They said, this is good for you. This right. is good for the community. We'll give you jobs. They didn't say it was limited to fundamentalist Christians, right. but it is. They said uh, they, they're taking money from their employees' paychecks to go back to paying their loans. That's right. Um, they actually, just a couple weeks ago, or maybe in the past week, they said they don't want to pay a safety fee in the city of Williamstown, which would have taken 50 cents from every ticket sold uh-huh. to help pay for emergency response equipment in the city and it would have cost according to the 1.4 million attendance estimate Mm -hmm. that the city thinks it's going to get that would have been seven hundred thousand dollars for the city Mm -hmm. they need that money Mm -hmm. answers in genesis said we don't want to pay this because quote we're a religious ministry oh fuck oh which is very different they said we should be exempt because we're religious even though they said we're no we're a economic we're a for-profit business like to get all these sweetheart deals. The fuck out of town so they don't want to pay the safety fee, which would help the emergency response equipment in the city, which would be good for bringing more tourists in the community because it's safer to bring your family there. And also, so hey, answers in Genesis your community for a second, you yeah. pricks. It's not helping the community, which is what Ken Ham is blaming the community for. Like more people aren't coming here; it's their fault. Well, then help them out. So deep, pay so your fair share. Who do you think deserves the bulk of this blame? Would it be Ken Ham and his and his Two posse things. or the government who who green, let him who, do it? Yeah, Both. who greenlit this? The community was duped. Yeah, and the city officials were duped. They didn't do their research. Mm-hmm. They didn't know what they were stepping into. They said yes all the way through. That's dumb on their part. They should have done the research and they would have known. I mean, if they listened to people like us, <laughs> whatever. Forget us. Listen to the experts, the economic <laughs> experts, and the church state separation people. <laughs> who know all this stuff and have degrees in this stuff, who said this is not going to be a successful thing. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, it's, it's like the whatever world record ball of twine. It's one of those things like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. I might stop by and check it out, uh but I don't need to make a yearly visit to it. Right. Um, And I don't need to make a weekend out of it. Yeah. I definitely don't need a hotel stop for that. It's a curious, it's a curiosity, Yeah. but it's not six flags where you're going every year and it's creationism. Their exhibits don't change year after year like sure. real museums. Sure. So families don't need to come back to this place. Oh, that's a good point. Um, I didn't think of that But either. the city gave them these deals they never should have done. We live in Chicago where uh, the city, I th- if I have this right, a couple years ago, they said yes to like a 75-year lease on parking meters. Oh, that yeah. uh, They basically said the parking meter company can set up all the parking meters throughout the city and for a very low cost, uh-huh. and they get to keep all the money. And, like, it's a totally lopsided deal. Mm -hmm. Taxpayers in Chicago lose out on all this money. And we're not making profit back. And we don't make anything back. It's a horrible deal. But it's kind of the same thing. Like, Ark Encounter is going to get rich off of this, or if they can make it work, but the city's not getting their fair share back. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. So, city people, they made a mistake. Ken Ham totally oversold this. I don't know whether he did it out of arrogance, thinking this is going to be the greatest thing ever, Mm -hmm. or because he assumed, or because they were playing the part and saying, we're helping you, so help us out. And it was strategic. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was partly that, but I think they also believed it, that this would be the greatest thing ever. And they were helping uh, the community, so the community deserved to pay them back. So, yeah, I think they all deserve a, a part in but, this thing. And then the problem is the people who are really getting the consequences are the people of Kentucky and, right. like, the people who needed that money. This is not a well-off community. And right. so the money that 
theoretically should have come back to the, that the city was hoping to make mm-hmm. that could have gone into improving businesses, helping mm-hmm. the schools, helping the kids in the area. They're not getting the money they thought they would be getting. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's disappointing because they were taken advantage of. Now, I should say, without Ark Encounter, I don't know what they were going to do. They didn't. It's not like they had a million options on the table and they said yes to Ark Encounter. I think it's one of those places where we don't really have anything going for us here that yeah, is big true. and major. And wow, Ken Ham comes along and says, I want to build this $100 million boat in your community. <laughs> Give me everything I need to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Of course, I can see why they wanted to say yes, um, yeah. but it's not working out and it's too late to take it back. So kind of best case scenario is that everybody really genuinely thought this would work and hoped for the best and yes. it just didn't. Yeah, and I don't and even think... And worst case scenario is that Ken Ham... I don't even think they cared about the creationism thing. It's, wow, a no, big attraction right, in our exactly. neck of the woods. Ugh, that sucks. It sucks. Um, anyway, I'll... This is Friday. We're recording this. I'm going to be going to the one-year protest. Oh, that's right. uh, Because of all these lies. This is not a, they shouldn't have been allowed to build the Ark. Of course they should. They have that right. Um, But it it sells so many lies, both inside the boat, obviously, Mm -hmm. and so many lies outside of it, um, that people have a right to be frustrated Mm -hmm. and upset and vocal about that. So I think that's the plan. Uh, outside Ark Encounter, there'll be video. We'll post it on Facebook whenever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that should be interesting. Um, I've never seen the boat. I'm interested to see what it looks yeah. like. I don't know if we'll be going inside, but yeah, that, that's pay there. 40 bucks. I don't know. I, I will tell you this. Money. I've heard arguments both ways. If I have the opportunity, I would totally spend the money once and go check it out because... Uh, you should be able to say what's inside of it. Um, my friend Andrew Seidel of Freedom From Religion Foundation did just that. And that means, you know, he could say from the inside, look, I've been there. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not just looking at pictures here. I'm not just taking someone else's word for it. Mm-hmm. I've been there and I can speak from experience. I say the same thing to people trashing religion. Like, if you want to say why evangelical Christianity, for example, is bad, you should go to like a mega church service and see what they're actually doing. Yeah. Because you should learn it if you've never been there. I just versus, got, And the same goes for any other religion, too. Know what they're doing. I just got a super good idea for um, like a bonus podcast. Yes. That you and I go to either the Creation Museum or the Noah's Ark thing and we record as we're walking around. So we do like an <laughs> audio tour for people. <laughs> The audio detour. I'm so full of good ideas today. We should always record in the morning. Um, I have... (laughs) God, no. Let's never do this again. I hate it. Um, This is a dumb thing, but it's a little more of the skepticism thing than the atheism thing. So um, Amelia Earhart is a famous aviator, um, tried to fly around the world, disappeared uh, somewhere right after Papua New Guinea, I think. Um, So it's the big American mystery of what happened to Amelia Earhart and her, um, her navigator, Fred Noonan. It's a thing that I find super fascinating. Um, and there have been many, many reports that she, um, very likely crash landed on or near, uh, what was then called Gardner Island. Um, they have found a couple, uh, they found like anti freckle cream or something. I don't know. The thirties were weird. Uh They were into weird thirties. Shit. 20s or 30s is what I was going to guess, okay. but I don't know for sure. Um, and also they found a, um, so I guess Amelia Earhart had particularly long forearms, okay. and they found a skeleton that very likely matched those proportions. What? Yeah. I also, I swear I heard somewhere that they found Fred Noonan's bones, and it looked like he had been cam- cannibalized, but I couldn't find anything. Jesus. To, but I couldn't find anything to back that up, so I'm just going to throw it out there, and if anybody's heard <laughs> of that, let me know, because I want to read so that So we're getting book. a little closer to solving this unsolved well, mystery. I mean, this has been... 
years and years and years. This has been yeah. more or less accepted that, like, yeah, this is probably what happened. Or no, they never found the ship. But guess what? The ocean's really fucking big. So, like, probably not gonna. Until this week, um, somebody found a picture from Japan that is supposedly, that shows very clearly, according to these people, uh, Fred Noonan and Amelia Earhart. No way. Um, now, I would like to... Like, sh- in Japan, they uh, were? In, so, the idea is they... So, what, what the, did Japan what find them after the plane is crashed Is that or they something? somehow either crashed in Japan or were captured by the Japanese huh. and brought back and held as captives, question mark. And huh. so, what this photograph, they purport... Uh, they say shows Noonan and Amelia Who Earhart. Is they? Do I trust these people? The, the they, you know, the okay. they, the the general, the general they. Um, what they do, what it shows, and I'm going to describe it to yeah. you, and then I'm going to show it to you. Um, is it shows um, Noonan? He has a very distinctive hairline, so that's how you can tell this okay. is definitely him, and a distinctive nose, I want to say. And then um, Amelia Earhart. Now she does have her back to the camera, but her hair is definitely too long to be a man and too short to be a native Japanese woman. And there is a craft in the background that is very clearly her boat. So I'm just going to... Or her boat, her airplane. airplane. So I'm just going to go ahead and show that to you. Huh. Um, look that up. Wh- what do you think? Is that very definitely... And this is the only picture those they are, have. Those are vague pictures. Like, it's not close-ups or something. No, no, no. It's the back of her head. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, so why do people believe that this is really them? Just because of those well, don't identifying Don't you see the circles features? around Noonan's face? <laughs> yes. It says Noonan, so it's him. <laughs> they tagged it with his name and her <laughs> name. So, and I just love shit like this because How it's, serious are people taking this? Uh, do we know? Pretty serious, I think. Like, I think it's actually gaining some traction. Um, and it's just one of those things that I enjoy as a skeptic to, like, what? Like it is just I a mean, good if example. True, that of, defeats all those conspiracy theories yeah. of what people said. No, hundred percent. But I enjoy things like this because I think it's fun to like ca- look at things in a fun like oh what if conspiratorial yeah. way. But also like hey, sometimes you should be like a little bit skeptical and be like uh, maybe this is just two white people <laughs> in Japan at yeah. some point in history. Anyway, right. it, it was just a thing that I thought was fun, and I like to see people get swept up into conspiracy theories. Um, so those were the notes I had. Oh, I did want to mention, I've been listening to, um, a podcast called Sawbones that I think our listeners would like. Sawbones? Sawbones. Um, What's that? So it is, it's on the Maximum Fun Network where our, uh, friends, Ono, Ross, and Carrie have their, uh-huh. and it's a, um, medical, medical history comedy show. So it's a husband and wife, Justin and Sydney McElroy, and she's a doctor and he kind of plays like sort of the, and they just go through the weird shit we used to do to people like drilling holes in people's heads and bleeding people and humors and things like that. It's really entertaining. I think people, if you like this this show, you'd probably like it, but I bring it up to say they, I'm just working through their backlog and they did a really excellent episode on vaccinations. Um, and they always make a point of like, they don't want to kind of tackle things that people still believe in. We just want to go back and like laugh and like, Oh, he thought putting a leech in his eye was going to cure his pneumonia. Um, but they sort of decided to tackle, um, um, vac- vaccines and, and anti-vaxxers and, and I bring it up because it I think we've all had many conversations about vaccinations and, and their merits but they did a really good job of um, walking through the history of vaccinations and what it took, particularly um, smallpox, and what it took to get to the point that we eradicated smallpox and the sacrifices that people made and these these women were giving themselves variations of smallpox in 
pox in hopes of like saving their children. Wow. And it's it was a really kind of neat um, walk through that and, and a good reminder that like we can talk about mercury and formaldehyde all day long, but but to get back to the root of people were dying en masse. Yeah. And, and maybe if they recognize that reality right. and what vaccines did, they right. would take it more seriously. Yeah. Anyway, I just... Interesting. I, we'll was, post a link to that. Yeah, I definitely will. It's a few years old, but I think it still has merit. Very cool. Anyway, and I just want to be friends with the McElroys, and I'm just <laughs> hoping if I direct enough people over there, they'll like call me. Done. Yeah. Make uh, it happen, people. <laughs> Please. <laughs> um, Thanks yeah. for listening. Yeah. We'll um, talk to you next week. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. I'm at Hemant Meta and patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Yo, we are halfway to Star Wars Town. (laughs) We're getting there. So if we get a certain amount of money, I'm going to sit and make Hemant watch Star Wars for the first time. And I don't like that movie that much. So my husband's going to, it's going to be fun and funny and donate a buck. We'll, we'll get us there. My Etsy shop is, um, bitches get get stitched done. done. Forgot immediately. Um, I think that's all I have going on in my life. Happy one-year anniversary of Ark Encounter, everybody. Yeah, happy anniversary. Have a good week. Bye.